Welcome to the podcast. We do recover with Jared Miller, your host. And I'm Dr. Terry Sellers, your co-host. This is a podcast about recovery from addiction. We want to talk about what successful recovery can look like. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. All right, welcome to another episode of We Do Recover. I'm your host, Jared Miller. Today in the lounge, we've got your co-host, our medical expert, the man, the myth, the legend, Dr. Terry Sellers. Whoa, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Beautiful morning. Absolutely it is. We also have in the house the guy that makes this thing possible, the producer, Sean Denovan. That's what I do! And finally, our featured guest, the proud owner of Recovery Strong, Jared Shaw. Woo. What's up, everybody? This podcast is recorded in sunny St. George, Utah. Episode 27, part one, is brought to you by Steps Recovery Centers, where addiction ends and healing begins. Listen to me, listen, listen. If your loved one needs help, please reach out to them. Give them a call, 801 800 8142. They really are an awesome organization. Everything from detox to, to outpatient, they got you taken care of. Well, it is another beautiful week. It's not cloudy outside. Yeah. That's my new and good. What's yours, Dr. Sellers? All you got is it's not cloudy? Yeah, you know. Come on, give us something. Okay, so. Tell me about, are you engaged? I am engaged. Yeah, what's going on there? Like, Wedding plans. Tell me about that kind of stuff. Okay, so so it's gonna be. <laughs> Let's talk about Mandy Repco for a second. So, yep, seven fourteen twenty one is gonna be the official date. Beautiful. Yeah, so it'll be fun. We're gonna get married up in Logan Canyon. Oh, yeah. On, it's gonna be on a Wednesday. Weird, but it's fine. It'll work. We're gonna have family up there in Tony's Grove. It's gonna be beautiful, and then oh, yeah, we're gonna pretty. escape to to Bear Lake for a few days and. Oh. Rent some toys and play around up there, some four wheelers, maybe some water skis and have some fun and then come back that Saturday and actually do the reception at my brother's. My brother is, he has what I call stupid money. Like he, he has a beautiful house in Farmington with a pool, basketball court, huge fenced in, beautiful landscape, oversees a big like canyon area. So it'll be nice. We're just going to do like a barbecue there and hang out. If you want to swim, you can swim. You want to eat, you can eat. You want to... Yeah. Play board games. I'm a board game player, dude. What? I will. I Come I, over to my house, dude. Code names we is play, like my jam. You play Settlers? I haven't played that. Oh, no. we'll get you. We'll okay. get you in on that. Yeah. Okay. How Thank much you, better though. than that? How much better than it's not cloudy? Was that new and good? Right I love there. that. See? Thank you. Your Thank face you. lit up. You got to talk about something fun. Thank it's you, not Sellers. cloudy out, guys. Hey. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I set the bar. Let's see if you can match it. What's I got nothing. <laughs> I got absolutely. I got nothing at all. Like I can't think of a single thing. I um, as the, if you've listened to the podcast at all, you guys know I work in Richfield on Thursdays, and so um, I usually when I'm in studio, I drive here from Richfield. So we got in last night about two in the morning, and uh, I got to bed about three. Woke up with a migraine. I'm fighting it now, but. That's not new and good, is it? That's terrible. <laughs> you woke but, up. But you know what? There you go. I'm sober yeah. and clean today. Amen. And I was yesterday, too, and a whole lot of yesterdays before that. So I'll take that as a Life is good. good. Yeah. Yeah, my life is so much better than it once was. So Absolutely. that's all that counts. Jared, you get Jared? So uh, our guest is Jared Shaw. Uh, we always start this with something new and good. You got anything new and good in your life? Lots of new and goods. I mean, just uh, one, I'm down here in St. George. It is sunny. It's not cloudy. Um, I'm heading back north to go snowmobiling oh. tomorrow morning, so I get a little bit of both worlds. So, Hold on, Jared. We, right? Yeah, like, you can come. We got, nice, <laughs> we, got, we got a couple sleds. You can oh, come ride. Oh, yeah. Sweet. So, Let's all go. Yeah. So anytime you guys want to go, hit me up. All right. But, Sweet. Yeah, and I'm sober. You know, that's yeah, yeah. Every day I would get to wake up and I get to be sober. I, yeah. you know, I saw it when I was working out. I did a workout this morning in the parking lot of the hotel at 7 a.m. So I get it done and saw a guy diving for food in a dumpster. And oh, that's not me today. And yeah. it's I don't have to be that way. And, you know, nothing but love for that guy. But I'm glad to be where I'm at. Yeah. yeah what a what a good perspective, man. Yeah, that that makes good. you appreciate things, doesn't it? And the guy talked so. to me, too. He said, it's his birthday today. And I said, happy birthday. He said, well... It's not really my birthday today. Every day is a birthday, you know, and, oh. and so, you know, and I was, and anyway, so it was cool to kind so of have a little look. conversation with the guy that was in the dumpster and just, you know, it, it put things into perspective for me yeah. this morning, yeah, early. 
Yeah, absolutely. Thanks I, for sharing. That. I hope you found my bacon king in the, in the garbage. <laughs> so we're driving down. It's like, I don't know, it was midnight or one in the morning. And my wife decided she hadn't had anything for dinner yet. So she wanted a burger. So we stopped at Burger King and they have a bacon king. I don't know if you've ever gotten one of those, but sounds good. how fat have we become as a country when they're serving us a burger? Literally, this thing was... He's holding I'm, up like eight inches yeah, wide. Yeah, like no. this thing's <laughs> eight inches deep. I could not eight believe that. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> I couldn't even come close to finishing that thing. I, I probably finished a third of it. So yeah, apparently I, I could not believe that's just like a standard menu item. It was so big. Yeah, you brought Melody down, huh? Yeah, she's nice, here. Nice. She's, she's back at the hotel, Good still man. sleeping because of course she got to bed at two in the morning. If also. I'd have known that, I'd have invited her to be the co-host. I oh, like her she would have been you. way better for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. For Let's sure. get Sean Denovan's new and good. What's going on in the world of Sean? Nothing. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> well, way to way to shed some sunlight on the podcast. Oh no no no! Uh, side hustle's doing good. Uh, P.S. We need to postpone the podcast next week. I'm going to be out of town again. Okay. Oh. Yeah. All right. Well. Yeah. So, but this is the big one. This is this is the one I've been looking forward. So I'm actually building uh, a couple of different radio studios. So I'm excited for that. Nice. It's my thing. I'm excited. Nobody else is excited. I'm excited. It's awesome. So to you. our listeners, we might not have a podcast episode next week. Well, it, it will be. It you still have a podcast episode. It just won't be Facebook Live. Okay. I got you. We'll work out. it out. Don't worry. Everybody's, I got you. Everybody's fine. Everything's great. TBA. Hugs and kisses. No, I just gather in. Let's I was just going to mm-hmm. blame it on you. Is all. I was just going to say <laughs> we may not have an episode next week, but please don't blame either of us it's sean's fault (laughs) (laughs) all right you asked yeah (laughs) hey listen i know you love that stuff that's fun stuff for you so uh shall we get started and talk about jared shaw i'm so excited for this what a cool dude this guy's a dirt bike rider he just shared he's getting ready to do snowmobile stuff like i really am genuinely yeah the guy's living life it sounds like he is all right let's let's hear about it so um we so we've done this podcast in a couple of different ways and we've changed the format. It used to be a 30 minute podcast. And so we really just focused on now here and now and what's going on in your life. But, um, and then we changed it to where we wanted to hear how you got to here and now, but then we did the focus on here and now first, and then did the, the early part of your life last. And I'm then, already confused. Right. Yeah. Listeners got, then listeners got <laughs> all confused. And so, what we're doing now is we start chronologically. So let's start with Jared Shaw as a kid. Like, where'd you grow up? Tell us about your family of origin. Um, tell us that sort of stuff. Um, Jared Shaw, I was born in Bountiful, grew up in uh, Kaysville, Fruit Heights, actually. Oh, wait, so. I'm going to stop you because we don't actually do it all that way. It's okay. I, I want to I wanna talk about... Just briefly, though, we're going to go back to this, I promise, but I'm confused this morning. I apologize. <laughs> I'm all over the place. Um, I, t- I uh, migraine sometimes. I have a migraine this morning, and uh, I take Excedrin sometimes for my migraines, and I took a number of Excedrin this morning that is greater than some number that you're supposed to take. So I got a lot of caffeine going, and I'm sipping on a Dr. Pepper, so I'm all over the place. Um, tell us just right now, Jared Shaw. We don't want to delve into this, but I just want to know, like, Tell us about your not family of origin, but your current family or what your living situation is, what you're doing in your life, and then we'll come back to that in more detail later. But I just want to know a little bit about what's going on in your life right now. Ah, perfect. Um, I'm 39 years old, going to be the big 40 coming up here and just turned 39 in November. Live in Mountain Green now, just up the canyon from where I grew up. I uh, have a... Wait, where's Mountain Green? Mountain Green's right up Weber Canyon. Weber Canyon, base okay. Of Snow Basin, basically. So okay. about a 20-minute drive from where I grew up, and it feels like you're, you've gone through the country and you're out of the city. So um, got two uh, boys, River and Ridge is their names. And so, cool names, cool um, huh? Way cool. Got a girlfriend yeah. named Tana. We, yeah, we live up in, I live in a house, which is pretty cool. You know, we own a house together. <laughs> and uh, That yeah. was not possible at yeah, one point it in It was life, not. Right? So that's a huge thing. I live with people. I pay taxes. I actually have, I went and really quick, I went to uh, Zion's and I actually had like 
a Zion, a yearly national parks pass. Like that's how old I'm getting and how, you know, <laughs> nice. I have a national parks pass. So I was like, man, you're, you're growing up. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm a construction worker. I own a construction company, um, own a concrete plant in Kaysville as well. Um, and then I own recovery strong. And so I, I guess I'm an entrepreneur somehow, I figured out how to do that, but still learn every day. And then, uh, yeah, just grateful to be sober. Wow. So, okay. That's exactly what I wanted yeah. to hear. That is yeah. exactly what I wanted Beautiful. to hear. Um, how old are River and Ridge? If you, if you said it, I'm sorry if I missed uh, it. They're 17 months apart and I'm probably, Ridge, River will be th uh, three years old in a week. Oh, how so, fun is that yeah. age, right? He's, yeah. he's definitely a handful. And then Ridge is 17 months younger. So um, whatever the math is on right. that, he's right. somewhere in there, 17 months, 19 months. But, and he's like the little sweetheart who loves his dad, you know, uh, like in the morning, my, my girlfriend told me he wakes up, you know, dad, dad, and I'm not there right now. So, but river, the three-year-old's a handful, but he's fun. You. I got to yeah. share a little story. So I called Jared and we're talking about having him come on. Right. And we're getting everything ironed out. And he, in, in the background, I'm just hearing, rah, 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 rah. and he's like, Oh, sorry. Hang on a sec. Hey, knock it off for a minute. Two minutes later, <laughs> hey, <no. laughs> he's he's got his hands full. You're yeah, a blessed bro. guy, bro. Yeah, You're a blessed guy for sure. So there is nothing better than, and I get it. The kids squabble sometimes too, but the voices of children, it like, was fun. Uh, like sometimes it can drive you insane a little bit, right? But man, that's the sound of joy right there. Like right? she sent me a video that just all of a sudden, like the your iPhone will put a video together or something, and she right. sent me one of. Uh, she just got from trips to Wyoming and it was from doing some bike races and stuff like that. But it was just like I, to, uh, last night she sent it and two minute video of all these pictures of him as a baby growing up. Uh -huh. And uh, it just brought me to tears, you know, yeah. I just, I'm like, this is where my life is today. Like yeah. I, this is amazing. So yeah. I'm just blessed. So I love it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm getting a little anxious though. I, I want to give him enough for part yeah. one. Okay. Sorry. I'm not, you're good, you're I'm not okay. even paying yeah. attention. I'm having so much fun. I can't stand it. <laughs> um, so let's go back to that original question. Family of origin, where you grew up, kind of what your home life was like, brothers and sisters, parents, that sort of stuff. Now I want to know about the trauma that led to your substance yeah. abuse disorder. You know, so like I said, I grew up in Bountiful or not grew up. I was born in Bountiful. I'm in the middle. I'm right in the middle, middle child of six kids. So siblings, I've got three older and two younger. So I'm right in the middle, um, which probably is a lot of the reason why I'm a recovering addict. So, um, <laughs> how so? Yeah. Just, uh, got lost in the mix, I think. Okay. But, uh, you know, my family was awesome. Like, you know, raised LDS, um, but still just didn't quite fit into anything I did. You know, I was always, my brother, my older brother, do you want to get into this kind of stuff or is this? Uh, no, I love it. I love it. But I just, the reason I just popped up was almost every single podcast so far, I just felt like I didn't fit in. That's a common yeah, yeah. theme. Yeah. Good point. Almost every podcast we've done, people say how they felt like they didn't fit in as a kid. Yeah. My brother, my older brother, who's 17 months older than me. So I look at river and I Ridge and I'm like, you know, I'm Ridge of that relationship, you yeah, know, yeah, and yeah. I have, and I look at that and the dynamic and, uh, he was always the, he was the soccer player that was way awesome, had all the attention. And I was always just in the shadows, you know, just trying to be little brother and wanted to be big brother and stuff right, like that, right. you know? And so, but my family was loving, you know, we never went without, we weren't rich by any means. We had what we needed. And, uh, um, but just somewhere in there, you know, we can go to, I found some pills, you know, and that's where kind of the trauma, I, I don't know where the trauma started other than I was a nervous kid. When I look back, when I went to treatment and I look back at my life, I realized how nervous of a kid I actually was. I didn't realize it at the time, but you know, I, that's where a lot of the trauma I think comes from is uh, not fitting in, not knowing where I am in life and uh, you know, am I really worth it? That's know, cool you've been feelings. able to identify that through the interpersonal work that you did while you were in treatment. Yeah. Like that's really cool. So what, wait, I, I gotta stop this. I know that so we're disjointed a little bit, but I love it. Um, <laughs> why, did you, why did you say that? Like, tell us about the trauma that led to your addiction. Because I, I'm a firm believer that I hear this all the time. I work in, in the field of, you know, substance abuse and I hear, I, I just wanted to just get high. And I feel like in my opinion, I feel like that's a cop out. I feel like there's always an underlying emotion that leads to, look, we, you don't wake up one day and feel happy, healthy, happy, go lucky and go, 
Yeah, I think I'll start to abuse a substance, right? Like, maybe my perception from this is wrong, but I feel like there's... Sure, and that's actually why I wanted to bring that up, is I, I don't totally subscribe to that theory. I think it's... Uh, but I just think it's a little bit of, of semantics, really. I think the trauma thing is uh, rampant, but not universal. Like, I don't think every single person, I can't come up with a trauma unless you call migraine headaches a trauma, but it doesn't feel like trauma to me. Yeah. Just was pain. Some people start with pain, right? A lot of people blow out their knee and get prescribed pills. So I'm not sure if I believe that everyone, but for sure it's rampant. So, okay. Keep moving along. That's that's my story too. As far as both of those are, you know, had, I think being a kid and being nervous, you know, like maybe you don't understand the trauma. Well, I didn't at the time, but then as I look back, like, yeah, like I understand it a little bit better now. I obviously I'm not having those same feelings that I had as a little kid, but still, you know, when I was 14 or 15, my brother, you know, we had soccer tryouts for the competition teams and I wanted to be on the team above me. And my dad was the assistant coach and this was the team to be as in bountiful Cougars. And I remember, Go Cougars. Yeah, Cougars. Yeah. So he, but <laughs> I went and tried out and I got put on as an all, I, everybody, you know, you'd go to the, you'd go to scoreboard sports and bountiful and you read the names on who made the team, you know, and I've done that a lot of times. I never got cut, but this was the team, like the team to be on. And I tried out and I got down there, I read my name and my name was alternate Jared Shaw, you know, mm-hmm. like, cause you could only have so many people on the team and my dad was the assistant coach. And so I lived that whole year being on a team that I don't think I really was good enough to be on in the first place, but nobody had the honesty to tell me either. Like my dad should have just probably sat me down and be like, Jared, you're probably not going to be on this team. Like yeah. go play. But the thing is I played on that team for a year. I got better. Did you, even did you play? No. So we went to a tournament in Arizona and this is probably where I felt real, you know, probably that whole dynamic of I'm not good enough started to settle in. I'm in junior high, maybe right into high school, went to a tournament we were in like a championship game or semifinals, and I was the only one that didn't get put in the whole game. I sat the whole game, you know, and, and I think like that bred this this mentality in me that I'm not going to ever make it. But then the next year, it was a little bit different. I went down a year and I played, but having played with all the people that were better, I was number one on that team, you know. So, right, but that right. still wasn't good enough because the the trauma or the belief system was already there. It didn't have enough to outweigh that I was better than the other kids. But so, you know, it's it was a learning experience by seeing your name next to the word alternative. Yeah, it, the underlying message for you was. We'll let you come along, yeah. but you're not quite good enough. Yeah, your dad's the assistant coach, so we don't want to make you feel bad. Yeah, it's, it's a participation trophy, is what it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. So, is there a? Do you remember a point because you went kind of vague on us about uh, somewhere along the line there was some pills? Do you remember how that happened? Oh, I remember the day. Okay. Yes, I was. Uh, I worked in. Uh, it was a, I was a sophomore at Davis high, went into, I had a headache like you had this morning, okay. went to my mom's med- medicine cabinet, uh, saw take for pain. Um, yep. Took one. I know it was lower tab. I read that and I didn't know what they were at this point. Right. Took one, went to school, was building portables that they have uh, in, their, in my carpentry class, sitting on the roof. And then that feeling came where everything just like whoa what is this and i remember that feeling when they used to say only one time you become an addict you know all it takes is one time and i didn't realize it until later on in life but that was the one time that feeling i chased for a Mm. long time so lots of pills that my brother my best friend's dad was a pharmacist in high school so we had endless amounts of uh, pain medication he was the pharmacy tech so but it wasn't an everyday thing at that point. It was still dabbling, you know, and I didn't drink until I was a senior, I think. But the night I did drink, I ended up getting two alcohol tickets in one night. I went and talked to a cop. That's how smart I am, <laughs> you know, because I was that everybody likes me kind of guy. So I drank and I went and talked to the school cop at the 7-Eleven and got a ticket. And then later that night, I was like, well, I already got a ticket. They're not going to give me another one. I got another one that <laughs> night. So, you know, so from the get-go, alcohol and pills were a problem, but it took me years of pain and trauma to figure that out so but there you go 
Yeah. That's so funny. I think it's, it's story, hilarious. Right? He's like, I'm Mr. Popular. Hey, Mr. Cop, what's going on? Yeah. Like, let's chop it up. Officer and Barlow. Officer Barlow. <laughs> oh, Have you been drinking, funny. Jared? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do I have to answer yeah. that question? Oh, man. I know. Oh, he, he didn't care at that point, right? Yeah. yeah. I think I had like one Zima. So, yeah. yeah, way to pound it. Look, though, I mean, we're all we all can do some knucklehead stuff back in the day, right? At what point did did it really, I guess, try to take hold of you? At what point did you recognize that that your, as they say, your life had become unmanageable? When uh, so I went down, I chased a girl down to UVU, um, you know, out of high school, and. Went and tried out for their soccer team and go, the first go Cougars. <laughs> oh wait, that's, yeah. they're not the Cougars. <laughs> I'm not smart enough to be <laughs> the, a Cougar. The Wolverines. Um, but yeah, so it, it was UVSC at that time, and so I went and tried out for the soccer team. You know, chasing a girl that was at BYU and uh, broke my kneecap the first like ha- half hour of tryouts and mm. just broke it in half. Went to the doctor. They pulled a bunch of blood out of it and. I I had to drop out of school because I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. Um, I was on crutches, and there was a lot of stairs at that place. You know, and I just kind of gave up. And so I went home. My dad took me fishing, and we were in my truck. Or no, I went fishing, and my dad saw in my truck a bottle of pills that was just filled like a a day before. And it was a full bottle. You know, he looked at the prescription filled date. And a day later, they were all gone. Uh, you know, so my it dad should have been a full bottle. Yeah. Oh wasn't. yeah. My dad brought it to me and said, "Hey, do you need help? You know, what's going on here?" And so that was kind of like, okay, the starting point of oh, I'm starting to use these to cope with life. You know, more of it's not just a thing I do on the weekends anymore. And then oxycotton came into play. I went to, I went to, uh, ended up going to Utah State. Um, you know, and that was big when Oxycontin came in and I got hooked on Oxy. And then that was at the point where I had to use every day within three months, you know, just, it was, that was when my life just went to hell. That's when the physical dependency really was yeah. What, uh, what was your reaction the first time when your dad said, Hey, do you need some help? Um, was that denial or was that, did you accept it at that I, point? I didn't accept help. I don't, I think he gave me, he recognized that I was hurting in some sort of way. You know, I'm the only kid in our family that suffers from addiction out of six kids. And so I'm the only one that carries that flag and banner, which is cool because it's opened up awareness throughout our family. But I don't know what he thought. I just don't think he just probably didn't want his son to die, you know, taking a bunch of pills. And so at that point, I think that the cat came out of the bag, but it wasn't till later that there was actually any sort of, my life had to go get a lot worse before uh, I, I got help. Sure. I don't know if I know anybody that accepted help the first time it was offered. Like that's not common, right? Because part of the disease is one of the, one of the things about the disease is denial is really strong. Yeah, uh, it's not that uncommon in diseases. Right? People don't want to know they have cancer. People don't want to accept that. People don't want to accept that they have diabetes. I mean, addiction's not unique in that respect for sure. Yeah. Nobody wants to feel broken, which yeah. is which is, by the way, the opposite of a disease. But that's yeah. kind of how you feel when somebody confronts you with that. See, and that was like the time where all my friends were either in school, going on missions, you know, doing the things in life that normal, I guess, people do in our area of life, you know. And I didn't want to ever go on a mission um, just for some reason, just didn't didn't want to do it. And I never did. I went and worked on a ranch. and um, But I just felt like that was the time where my life went a different way than everybody else's. And then once again, I'm not as, I'm not normal like all these other guys. I I can't figure this life out, you know, like I'm going to be a mess up. So, but yeah, the confidence level just took off, you know, and then you go home and you're like, why don't you go on your mission? I'm like, you know, when you're 19, I'm like, I don't know. I just don't want to go, but you feel really, there's a lot of shame in that too. Looking at your parents, you know, not my parents, but my friend's parents, that kids were on a mission. So yeah, it's tough to swallow all that. Yeah. There's almost like an underlying, well, what's wrong with you if you're not going to go then, right? Like this, this, uh, and maybe I'm again, speaking out of context, but that's the way I, I've had it perceived to me. Well, you're not, everybody does this. If you're not doing it, then there must be something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah. We're, um, we're getting close to being out of time on this segment, but, um, how were you obtaining your medications at this point? Well, after I, you know, doctor shop, not doctor shopping, I would just, I wasn't seeking 
it all the time. I just knew I could get refills. I wasn't buying it on the streets at this time. It wasn't until I started doing Oxycontin when I was about 23 years old. And that's when I started buying medication from, from people that I knew in the area. Um, people that have been on this podcast before, you know, <laughs> so it's just kind of interesting to we, see. We won't name Yeah, we names. won't, but, or family <laughs> of friends, but yeah, it just, that's when, when Oxycontin came into my life, that's when life really went downhill, you know, and that, and I felt the first time actually having a physical withdrawal in Lake Powell on a houseboat because I didn't know about withdrawals yet, quite yet. Yeah. You know, it was a rude awakening. That's a tough way to yeah. learn, right? <laughs> yep. Well, okay, so we're just about out of time, and we'll uh, wrap it up here. But uh, join us in the second segment because we're going to get back to Jared's story of recovery. After the 30-second break from our sponsor. You are listening to We Do Recover with Jared Miller and co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. We'll be right back after this short break with more of We Do Recover with Jared Miller, sponsored by Steps Recovery Center and the Hilton Garden Inn. I'm Desmond Lomax, one of the clinical executives here at Steps Recovery. And once you become the Steps family, you're just a part of the Steps family. A lot of us have overcome substances, overcome addiction, and now we're able to help other people. Second of all, we're also going to help you in a way where you can afford to be helped. Third of all, we're going to give you the same quality that many organizations are charging two to three times. And it's more about you than it is about our organization. We welcome you back to We Do Recover with Jared Miller, co-hosted by Dr. Terry Sellers. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. And now with part two of our podcast, Jared Miller and Dr. Terry Sellers. All right, all right. Welcome back. Episode 27, part two, featuring Jared Shaw, the owner of this sweet swag. What a nice guy. He brought every single one of us some swag this morning. Recovery strong. What is the motto, Jared? What is the motto? Yeah. Fighting addiction, strengthening recovery. I love it, dude. I love it. So episode 27, part two is brought to you by the Hilton Garden Inn. It's always sunny and bright at the Hilton Garden Inn in St. George, Utah. If you're traveling through Southern Utah, give them a Google search. Just type in Hilton Garden Inn, St. George, Utah. They have amazing amenities. I promise you won't regret it. Like beautiful place. Love it. We love the Hilton. Yeah, I love it. I stay there almost every time I'm down and I love it. It's how was your good to us? Yeah, absolutely. How was your stay last? It night? was awesome. I stayed there two nights in a row. So I came down here on Wednesday night, and yeah, ended up staying, and it was a really nice hotel. So first time I've ever been there. Beautiful, so, beautiful. But, one thing I want to, in jumping back into your into your story, one thing I want to point out is you had a legitimate knee injury, right? Mm-hmm. Doctor yep. Sellers asked a very great question. He said, "How do you obtain this?" Right? And I have a, you know, I can relate because I shattered my ankle, and literally years later, I would go into my doctor. It wasn't. As you know, Dr. Sellers, I'm sure it wasn't really regulated as much at the time. Years later, I'd go into my doctor and be like, oh, yeah, you know, I think I need something. And he's like, here you go. Yeah. Thank, thank God it's not like that nowadays, right? But I should well, point that out. I'm old. I remember when you used to have to go, like, ride your brontosaurus to the uh, doctor's <laughs> office. And then get, like, he'd write you out, a ch- chisel you out a prescription on a piece yeah. of stone. So, <laughs> I like it. But they gave it away like candy, so it was fine. Um, all right, let's get back into it. So bring us around to when things really started to get bad and what, what your rock bottom was, maybe what that, if there's a moment as to when you thought, nah, I just, I'm not going to do this anymore. I got to change my life. Yeah. Uh, you know, we just talked about being on the houseboat and the physical withdrawals from, uh, opiates, Oxycontin. Um, what a great place to do yeah, on a house, nothing like a houseboat <laughs> toilet to just go, but I didn't know what was happening to me. I was so naive to, you know, we, I didn't Google stuff back then. I just, you know, if I did, I don't even know if Google's around back right, then, right. but, uh, so I understand, I kind of sense like I just felt sick, but Oxycontin I had to have every day. And so we got back home 
and I started buying stuff. And this is the same time when I started my company, my, uh, my construction company, I was working at a law firm. I was being a runner downtown, which is a great job for, uh, somebody who needs Oxycontin because you can go take stuff to the courthouse. You can go take stuff to other law firms. In the meantime, stop by and buy some dope or buy, you know, yeah. buy some pills from you, you know, but I, I noticed that's when it was everyday use. And, and so I started this other company, uh, that I own now a road construction company. And, I remember my first big check, you know, it was like a thousand dollars or something like that. And, and I went and I was like, cool, I can go buy a lot of pills right now. And in my mind at that time, the more money I make, it's not going to affect my drug use because I can afford drugs and I can still grow in society, you know, I can, but so I share this one and I tell my story is that Oxycontin actually gave me courage to work and it gave me some sort of a work ethic because it got me out of bed. It got me to do the things that I was supposed to. It made me responsible for like six months. You know, it's taught me, it showed me that I, if I go do this, I can get that and then I can pay for the things that I need. But soon, you know, when, when you start running out of money and you start getting withdrawals, you can't get your fix, you know, that that's when things started hitting the fan. And I ended up losing my company to my brother. The older brother, once again, comes back into the Ugh. scene. Cause I couldn't, you know, this is probably six months down the line, bank account is negative. I can't, you know, zero credit. I couldn't get checks in my name anymore because these construction companies that I was working for wanted to have a business license and entity number and which was all new to me, you know, and right. so I couldn't even open a checking account to cash checks in my company name that I own. So my brother yeah. had to take over the company. So there's another resentment, you know, the responsible, better looking, older, more athletic brother gets to take over my way of living. And so there was a lot of that for a lot of years. And then um, you know, my rock bottom was just, I never went to jail, never went to prison, never got arrested, but it was just a, um, an, a, an emotional, a physical and a spiritual just bottom. And I remember, you know, going down to Mesquite and taking just tons of money, you know, about 10,000 I stole from the company and went down and I blew it in Mesquite and um, just within a, a two days, just blew it all. And my brother, Ten grand. You didn't I, oh yeah, I ran out just just lost it all. You put it all on green. Did I don't, you? I I mean, don't, I don't know what I did with it, but we lost it really fast. Me and myself. So, uh, but, uh, but then I had the nerve to call my brother cause it was paycheck time. So he delivered a paycheck to my, I think at my work truck and it had a pay stub in there from the check I stole from the company. And so he found out, you know, and that caused a big family meeting oh, at the, man. so, so it was a way of getting caught, but it was a way of getting honest too. And I had to go into this meeting with my grandparents, all six kids, you know, and they're like, what's wrong with you? Yada, yada, yada. And I'm telling everybody it's their fault. You know, like you guys, it just lots of yelling. And then my little, my oldest sister came upstairs. It was at her dance studio in Kaysville and, she just calmly just asked, Hey Jared, do you need help? You know? And it, and it was that one question, not yelling. It was actually just a sincere, quiet, do you need help? And I just remember I just broke down that's when the walls came down and I, and I said, yes, you know, like I finally was, I, I gave up, you know, yeah. fighting for Submitted. a minute, you know? And so went to checked into treatment. Uh, the next day, I think, or two days after that. And so, yeah, two, two, I think I was 23 years old and I didn't know anything about addiction at this time. Didn't know about, I knew AA, but my great, my grandpa was an alcoholic and I didn't like the name. So I never was an alcoholic and, you know, just trying to sort out the shame behind all the stigmas and stuff like that, which has been really cool for me. But got, went to a treatment center, Renaissance Ranch, stayed sober for about two years and then got in a relationship. Um, and that brought me down. I stopped going to meetings, stopped doing the things I needed. And I went back, you know, one of my employees asked if I wanted a Lortab. So back again to Lortab. And I'm like, you know, I've been sober for almost two years. I can handle one or two. Ended up being a five-year bender, taking just just lo almost losing everything once again, you know, and, and getting older. And as you get older, I think you get a little more mature and you realize, okay, you're, you're throwing your whole life away for this stuff. Like you go to work. I can't even go to work. Actually. I'd have employees call me and I'd be in bed waiting to get some pills so I could actually show up to my own work, my own company. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that's rough. So, and one thing I, I love that you said this and I want to point out is we talk about this being a disease, right? And I think a lot of people can relate to your story with that, with the relapse, because we go to treatment and we learn how to do our best to deal with this 
disease of addiction. And then we get out, maybe for a time, we mm. are continuing to do those things, meditate, you know, go to meetings, work on ourselves physically, work on ourselves mentally, like grow, right? Spiritual yeah. growth, all those things. But then at some point we get comfortable and we stop. Yep. Yeah, that's the theme. And, and it's like if you had cancer and you had to go get treatment, you wouldn't just do it a couple times and then, and then go, stop. oh, I'm good. No. Yeah, I got this. If I got I, cancer. If I had diabetes, I wouldn't go, you know what? Yeah. I've taken insulin long enough. I'm probably good. Probably fine. Yeah. Yeah. That's I can point. probably do it without insulin now. So I'm glad that you shared that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a common theme that I think that it's another, I like to point out the common themes we hear over and over. And, uh, the, the one earlier was I don't fit in. And then this one is, you know, the sort of denial that eventually comes, but that always results in, oh, uh, so I've heard this story a thousand times I, and it always starts with, I stopped going to meetings. Like when I say it always starts, not always, but I, I hear that story so many times. Well, you know, I stopped going to meetings. Well, I, I, I've heard it so many times that I know it doesn't work. Yeah. So I don't need to try that one because yeah. that doesn't work. Yeah. So anyway, uh, thanks. That's a common theme and I love the common theme. So I, yeah. I think if we can reiterate those themes over and over, eventually somebody's going to hear that and maybe not have to try it for themselves. And maybe even just stay connected, you know, like it might be, a, I, I fell out, I started hanging out with the wrong people again, you know, the people that didn't think the way I thought. But what happened though, the first time I went to recovery or into treatment was I learned about the disease. I learned about that it wasn't, you know, I wasn't a bad person. Um, I learned that I can be healed. Uh, it, when I was in treatment, I didn't still think I didn't, wasn't an alcoholic. I was just a pill, you know, a pill addict. And, and it's way different in your mind, right? Like, yeah. Like they were, cause I would go to tons of rodeos, you know, and I would go party at rodeos with my buddy yeah. who calf roped and all the all cowboys drink beer. Like that's what you do. You drink beer and whiskey. And so I would tell my counselors like, yeah, I don't have a problem with alcohol. I just need to stop doing Oxycontin and my life will be good, you know? But, I, but the cool thing about it is I was honest the whole first like 58 days of my treatment. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to get out and I'm going to drink. I was honest about it. Finally, they taught me or something clicked in my head that like, Hey, you're an alcoholic too. You know, like they helped me see that, but it was the honesty that I had with what my intentions were that saved me for a little while. But then when I did relapse, all that stuff that I learned, it, it somehow came back out later on in life, five or six years later, because I knew that there was something better out there for me than the way I was living. And when you, when I was taking full bottles of, uh, I didn't start, I didn't do Oxycontin at this time. So I was taking lots of bottles of, uh, Percocet and with Tylenol in it. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and checking my eyes and my body and making sure I wasn't turning yellow yet because I was worried about oh, liver this, failure just because of the Tylenol in it. This so. is such a common theme. <laughs> we're putting all this poison in our bodies and we're worried about the Tylenol component of it, right? <laughs> like the Tylenol is not necessarily the most destructive part of the Percocet. <laughs> See, I don't know that, but I just read no, it. No, but everybody <laughs> feels the same way. For you. Listen, I'm I'm a physician, me. and yeah. I used to do that. Yeah. yeah. I used to take Darvacet, which you guys aren't even old enough to remember, but Darvacet was, it had an opiate called propoxyphene in it and not nearly as potent as hydrocodone or oxycodone and 650 milligrams of Tylenol in Oof. it. And I used to worry about the same thing. And listen, Tylenol can be damaging to your liver, but the damage in my life came not from the Tylenol yeah. portion of it, right? I mean, it was the propoxyphene portion that was ruining my life. Oh yeah. So it's uh, it's funny that we focus on that though. But the thing is, is I'd look at my I'd look in the mirror, I wouldn't be yellow yet. Yeah. You right, know, right, so right. yet, so I'm yeah. still got. I'm another, good. I, I I'm good. Keep, I yeah. keep going. I don't have to stop till I turn yellow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I would go actually get my liver checked at the doctor just to make sure I was good. You know, and there were some scary instances in between there, but you know, and and then finally when I just had enough, it was just. <laughs> I was sick of spending my, I knew I couldn't sustain the life. I was either going to die an addict and die from, you know, I, I was convinced I was going to die of liver failure, um, which scared me enough to finally reach out for help again and say, Hey, I've, I've given up, you know, and that was a spiritual bottom, emotional, physical. And that was uh, January 5th of 2015, maybe nice. 6th. I can't ever remember. It's the 5th or 6th, but you know, that's, that's when I gave up again. And that was six years ago, over six years ago. 
So how much uh, humility did that have to, to take, right? Because I know there's like a camaraderie or like a, a feeling of, right? It's like he loves the Cougars because he mm -hmm. went to BYU. A lot of the treatment centers are like that too. Like yeah. you, you see, you know, step stuff. You see uh, different treatment center stuff. So was it difficult for you to call Renaissance Ranch back and say, hey? I reached out to him a couple times through text, you know, save me. It's kind of like the prayer, save me right now. So I, you know, I'm having withdrawals. So can I get into treatment? That'll fix me. But it wasn't hard because I just finally had enough. Like I knew that I knew it wasn't sustainable and I knew that I was ready. I'm not saying that was the day that I quit. Cause I remember going into my counselor's that day after taking 30 Percocets right. four hours before having our assessment. And he's like, are you high right now? And I said, no, it's like, <laughs> you know, like I thought I, I had on. him licked, but yeah. And luckily, counselor, why would I be yeah. high right now? So he, he, uh, was on, he just said, Hey, come back in five days or four days. And you know, and that's when I, that was it. So when I just came back and when I, when I want to do something, I'll put every effort I can into doing something. And yeah. so from that day forward, you know, I that's when life started changing, you know, just gave it my everything. So. All right. So let's transition to, we got to move towards yep. the super, sorry. <clears throat> I didn't want to cough into the microphone, but we got to move on to the super cool stuff you're yep. doing now. The We're, good stuff. We got, you know, we got 11 minutes left or so. So, okay. um, so, okay. You went to Renaissance Ranch for the second time. Mm -hmm. Eventually got clean. Did you get clean, right? Like, was the ranch it? Was that the last time you used? Yeah. Okay. So you got out of the ranch and have stayed continuously sober and clean for that amount of, since you got out of the ranch. Yep. Six, I did outpatient, so I okay. wasn't ever in. Okay. I did the inpatient first, but yeah, so six years ago. And, you know, and we can kind of tie it into Recovery Strong. We talked about this a little bit earlier about where Recovery Strong came from. I was, I think, about 30 days, 90 days in, uh, in treatment. And one of our counselors asked, you know, what are you going to do to change the stigma or the... Uh, the perspective of recovery that people have, you know, and I, and I did a lot of cycling at that point. I've done a lot of races. I've done races throughout here in, in St. George. Last race I did down here before that I quit over by Gunlock Reservoir because I was on a bunch of Adderall and I thought my heart was going to blow up. <clears throat> so, but I thought of Lance Armstrong's Live Strong Foundation and, uh, and I thought of Recovery Strong. It just kind of popped into my head. And before the end of the night, I had like the domain. I, and I told Jared that I owned Recovery Strong off the jump, but I didn't. I actually had to buy it. I had to go in there and buy the domain from somebody else who owned it. Mm -hmm. And I offered him $500 and they came back with an offer of 400. And I was like, oh, sweet. Well, that's it. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah, that's, no. that's how I do business. <laughs> so yeah. that guy's not a very good business. No, man, so apparently. it was actually quite comical, but you know, and it, it was just kind of something that came to me. And I was actually really, it, it made me energized in recovery first part of recovery to build something and I watched addict to athlete I watched Ian with fit to recover I watched him build his gym but I watched him build that stuff and then do those things on Facebook while I was dying in my room you know and I yeah. wanted to be a part of that and so up in where, where I live I wanted to start something that was cool and that could be you know that people could um wear and be aware of you know and so I started doing the recovery strong bracelets and and Graduated treatment. Yeah. And I give those out to anybody. I try and get those are, you know, I buy thousands of them every couple months and I try and just give them away, you know, so people can wear them. And it's the coolest thing. Like this morning, I got an email from somebody from back East. Uh, my brother forwarded it to me about just thanking me, which is kind of selfish because I don't look at myself this way. I'm on Instagram and on social media. I don't like to do that kind of stuff. I'm really, it's awkward for me. It's like this, get out of your comfort zone type things. Yeah. But he sent me an email today saying that he loves what I do and thank you for inspiring him. You know, he's struggling right now. And so it's those little moments where it's like, Hey, I'm helping do something good, you know? And, uh, and then and I was getting a coffee this morning and over at Dutch Brothers, and this girl asked me, what are you doing down here? I'm like, hey, we're going to record a podcast. She's like, oh, what's it about? And she saw my truck, and and yeah. and she's like, well, do you talk about food addiction? I'm like, you know, it's all the same. Like, whatever, if you're struggling, I'm going to send you the link to the podcast and just listen to it, and it's all just something that's, you know, we can all be better people. You know, Recovery Strong is a mindset, I think, of just living your life, and it's, it's filling it up with good things. Yeah. And that's what I do every day. Like I'm, you know I'm I blessed. Think <clears throat> I think of, uh, like 
camaraderie yeah. or like union when I think of recovery strong, like look by ourselves, we've learned this from COVID by ourselves. We're not that great. No, we're not. But you get a group of people together that all believe in the same thing and all want to move in the same direction. Now you have a movement. Now you got a force. Right? Yeah. And I've talked about this before. I love Recovery Strong. I love everything it stands for. You know, there's also Lit on Life down here. I, I love these sober brands because mm. we're changing the narrative. Yep. We're taking something that in the past has been looked on as cliche or, you know, kind of... Uh, and, and basically saying, no, like that, we're not going to live like that anymore. Like we're yeah. proud. We're like, we're going to change the narrative. Yeah. And that's what the girl over at Dutch Brothers, she was actually like, well, I guess you're not really supposed to talk about that stuff. I'm like, no, we are supposed to talk about it. It's yeah, okay absolutely. to talk about it. So it was a cool experience to have, but yeah. And, uh, I just, all these people that came before me just kind of set the, set the example that, you know, when I went to treatment the first time, all you did was AA, you know, like right. now there's yeah. sober gyms. Now there's other ways right. to keep you in, in, in you know, interacting and, uh, connected. And, yeah, connected. So I, I think that's a, a critical factor because people often think of, so you get clean finally. Right. And then the concept is, well, I just have to stay clean the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not recovery. That's sobriety maybe, yeah. but it's not really recovery. If you don't feel, and you said this, if you don't fill yourself up with things and activities and other things that first of all, make life fun. And second of all, help you find connection, then you might as well. I mean, the, the whole sitting, I'm just going to sit on my hands and not use drugs and alcohol is not that I don't want any of that. Yeah. Like that doesn't even sound like life, but yeah. you got to figure out how to fill it up with good stuff. Well, like, so yesterday I went and I hiked angels landing, <clears throat> yeah. um, you know, trying to get some exercise in and we started at about eight o'clock and I was scared to do that chain section. I've never done the actual hike <laughs> yeah. up to Angel's Landing. I was scared. But yesterday I got up there and I would talk to my, I had a little conversation with myself and I said, dude, you've done harder things than that. So just go do it. And it was the coolest thing. Cause I knew I was coming in here and this is hard for me to do too. I'm like, you know, if you can go do that, you can do this tomorrow. You know? So it's like it. that pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone, snowmobiling. I bought the snowmobiles last year. I've never snowmobiled in my life. I actually... I wanted to do something in the winter because we're slower in construction and to be able to have fun and get the endorphins going. And so I did that, you know, there's just a lot of things that you can do. You know, you don't have to have snowmobiles. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, but snowboard, just, that's yes, not that expensive. Yeah, there's just yeah, so many things that we lost. Shoe. Exactly. I, I, I did that last <clears throat> week. Yeah. There's yeah. just so many things that we can do to get outside and have fun. And it is whatever it is that you do to, fulfill your you know what you need inside you know you talked about with the i listened to the coach blue on yesterday about the dopamine rush that you're you're missing if you're not working out if you're not doing some of those things and i need some of that not a lot of it i mean i'm not a crazy like adrenaline junkie but like yesterday i got my dopamine rush being on top of angels landing and sure. i did something i didn't want to do you yeah. know so there's nothing bad with that yeah that's a you make a point that I've made a lot. Adrenaline junkies actually aren't adrenaline junkies. They're dopamine junkies, they? but they just don't know it, right? <laughs> we call it adrenaline, but what you're looking for is dopamine, yeah. which is a very pleasurable chemical, which is released in massive amounts by oxycodone, for example. Yeah. So you got to replace that, but you got to replace it in moderation. Yeah. You can't you can't do all dopamine all the time, or that's not life either. Yeah. So, okay, Recovery strong. I want to know. I don't really know as much about it. So tell yeah. me what, tell me about that, what that organization is, does, how people could get involved, that sort of thing. So what it is, it's more of an online presence. You know, we've done free workouts. So we had about, we had our gym. My sister owns a kickboxing MMA gym up in Kaysville where we did free workouts for the community. Every Tuesday night, we'd have a workout for a half an hour and then we'd circle up and have a meeting um, afterwards that we were almost at our two-year anniversary and then COVID hit and so yeah, we had to stop yeah. doing those um we brought it back i started doing them outside at my shop once the weather got good we did that on the grass and so nice. we'd have treatment centers we'd have 20 to 30 people a week anybody was invited anybody that struggled anybody that wanted to come um we we tried to raise the awareness and it was what we did and so now it's just an awareness brand we're still working on some of the 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 play, you know, what we want to do with it right now, but I just, for some reason it's a pet project and I'm very careful with what I do with it. And I want to make sure that I take it the right direction. And so right now it's just an awareness brand, but 
we've got a lot of things coming up and I'm excited about. So, Great. you know, and I think it's a good looking shirt. And I it, love you it. You know, like yeah. if I didn't own it, I would still wear it. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, and, I, and another cool thing, I, I'm humbled to be able to come and sit in these kind of things and actually feel like somebody wants to hear what I have to say, you know, because you follow the people that you've had in this convert in this, in this same chair and it shows where through recovery I have come with my life, you know, because I was the guy that nobody wanted to talk to. Nobody wanted to have come to a party. They were nervous about what I was going to say or do. And now it's kind of, it's almost like I feel that it, I'm a respected human being and I'm respectable, you know, and, and I love myself for that today. And so I'm grateful to be here and I'm grateful for this opportunity. So, I, so you so you fit in. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden you yeah. fit in. Bunch of addicts or recovering addicts, you know, yeah. a bunch of crazy people. So, right. Yeah. But you, you found a place where you fit in and yeah. that's, that's, that connection is so important. I would, I would say we're, we're grateful that you came down, man. Yeah, for sure. And in the short time that I've got to get to know you kind of this morning, just, just chatting yeah. it up. You're a salt of the earth guy. Yeah. Like you are, you're a man's man. Like you're a good dude about the only thing, uh, character defect. I warned you, a seller's just breaking, give you a hard time about, you got to put a ring on that oh finger. Bro. <laughs> got, he's, how long you been with your lady? Oh, seven or eight years. Oh, get, him. get him sellers. Pull the damn trigger already. Jeez. What is uh, going on? I know you COVID. Yeah. COVID. yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, COVID. <laughs> now, right now is the perfect time to get married because then I don't have to invite people to the wedding. Well, listen, I've been married 39 years. Let me give yeah. you a tiny little bit of advice. You are going to want to invite people to your wedding. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Let your let your girlfriend do most of this planning because this is her deal for sure. But who am I kidding? She yeah. might not want to get married. Right. So, <laughs> you know, so, listen, I don't know. That's so, my yeah, ego. that's possibly true, <laughs> right? She yeah. might say no. I doubt it. Right. Yeah. Too funny. Well, listen, you guys got two beautiful kids together. I would roll the dice, brother, and see how it comes out. It might just surprise you. And seriously, with with all my heart, thank you for coming down. Thank you for making the effort. Great story. Yeah, you're doing great things. We appreciate your story. And just, yeah, keep sharing, bro. You can come to my party anytime. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, and go on recoverystrong.com. You guys, we we can go on there. I'll put a discount code for We Do Recover 25 for 25% off. And we use that, we use the money to do good, you know. Real quick, what all products do you have? We have hoodies, hats, shirts, all sorts of stuff. Just cool apparel to wear that help break the stigma. Cool. Check them out. Recoverystrong.com. Join us next week for episode 28 without Sean. Thank you for joining us today on We Do Recover with Jared Miller. Help us spread our message of hope. Like, comment, and share. If you have any topics or ideas for future shows, please share that on our Facebook page. That Facebook page is We Do Recover with Jared Miller. If you or a loved one needs help, please reach out to us. Again, thank you for listening. Brought to you by Steps Recovery Center and the St. George Hilton Garden Inn. This has been a production from a podcast studio.